Hello and welcome to the Tricolore Pridecast, your English language podcast on all things Yokohama F Marinos. My name is Jamie and I'll be your host as we give you all the latest news and updates from the Nissan Stadium. In addition to our usual listeners this week, we would like to say thank you and welcome to the J Talk podcast listeners who are joining us for our monthly flagship show. If you're new here, then feel free to press subscribe and you can find us under the Tricolore Pridecast on all major podcast providers. So you'll be glad to hear that I won't be alone this week, as I'm joined by mates from literally around the world. So I'd like to say welcome to Stuart and Tony. Stuart, how are you this week? We're recording on a Saturday evening. There's no game today. That's What's right. your plans with no F Marinos game? Today, well, uh, after this I'm going to sleep. But um, yeah, so tomorrow, yeah, we have match day um, tomorrow um, against Shimizu. So be out in the morning and uh, uh, go over to the stadium about lunchtime and uh, yeah, meet up all, with all the guys in the stadium and uh, hopefully come back with three points. Indeed. And I like how you managed to successfully dodge what you did today uh, as part of that question, because obviously no football, no life, Stuart, <laughs> oh, I see. as okay. we well know. Okay. I, I, thought you were, I thought you were asking what was I going to do from now on for the rest of the day. No, not what I've been doing for the day. But See, this is the challenge of uh, operating across 12 time zones, uh, this podcast between right. the three of us. So, so yes. Um, okay. So, so today, today I went for a beautiful walk in Yokohama from uh, Ishikaocho Station to Yokohama Station and all along the coast and... Uh, you know, uh, really enjoyed myself. Yeah, beautiful weather today. Yeah, excellent. And Tony, welcome. How are you? And uh, similar question: What have you been up to today with no with no football? Uh, no football today. It's just been a family day. Uh, nothing special at all. Bit of shopping. Uh, quite envious of Stuart's walk. I would have loved to have done that walk today. Yeah. So just today, recharge the football football batteries and uh, into it tomorrow. Indeed, yet we have got an action-packed day uh, tomorrow. So, as usual, gents, I'm going to doorstep you with a, a little bit of trivia. Um, so, let's put you in the spot and see how your, your knowledge is. I think the score currently is 1-0. Is that correct? <laughs> uh, Tony, I think you got the... Uh, sorry, Stuart, I think you got the right answer last time, wasn't it, with Dyson Maeda uh, as the first goal scorer on season 2021. Let's go see if we can get uh, make it two. Uh, so, the question is, Yuji Bomber Nakazawa made 612 appearances for Yokohama F- and ruined many team photos in that time. But how many goals did he score? Was it A, 22, B, 37, or C, 51? I'm going to go for B, 37. Mm, I think you took my pick, so I'll have to, I'll have to go with C, 51. Oh, you could go for B too. I think it's okay. Yeah. Mm, that's okay. No, no. It, it, I think it's better if we don't choose the same one. <laughs> B. That was 37 goals, uh, surprisingly. So well done, Stuart. That makes, I think that makes it two. I'm going to have to go back and, and do my homework on our last flagship podcast at the end of January, uh, which feels like a million years ago at this point. Oh, um, but yes, congratulations, Stuart. It was B. Interestingly enough, uh, 111 appearances for Japan, 17 goals. So quite a wow. substantially higher ratio of goals uh, playing for Japan than he did for F minus, but hey, uh, I'll, I'll take that given uh, what he did at the back. Never mind going forward. Gents, we've got a lot to cover this morning or this evening, depending on where you are. Um, there's been four fixtures played since we last uh, caught up, as well as some pretty significant news events, which we will cover after we've done a bit of a run through of the games. I'd like to start off by saying thank you to to our guests who joined us in advance of those fixtures over the past few weeks. 
uh, we had Alan, we had uh, we had Neil on, uh, we've had a few other, we, we had Kaz on as well in relation to Kashiwa. Uh, so thanks very much for their contribution to that. And we'll go through these games one by one uh, and just have a quick chat about, about what happened. Starting off with the opening fixture of the season at home to Cerezo Osaka. So Stuart, if I could start off with yourself, can you give me your thoughts uh, on the opening fixture of the season, please? Yeah, well... Um... For the op- for the opening match, we we re- really didn't uh, know who was going to be on the on the field, and what the initial lineup to me looked like all of the old players from last season. So it looked like a almost like a thank you or or a or a safe um, selection for the for the for the first match. Um, I said in that uh, pre pre match that I thought it was going to be two two, and I wasn't I wasn't that confident because I hadn't seen the team. And when it got to 90 minutes and we were uh, 2-1 ahead, then I was really praying that it wasn't going to come true. And then at the 90th minute, uh, Kiyotaki scored um, from, from a corner and uh, predictably that was, the end, that was the end of the match. But they still had six minutes to play and I was like, uh, you know, almost my head in my hands. Um, uh, I couldn't look for the last six minutes because I, I was sure that, uh, you know, I was going to jinx it. Uh, Again, you know, almost. Uh, but um, yeah, like that 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 match actually, um, uh, I thought we did very well. We had you know double the shots on target. Um, uh, Cerezo, like the possession was incredible, seventy-two to twenty-eight percent. So it really kind of went the uh, well. The their uh, first goal didn't really didn't. Uh, match the run of the play, I think, uh, at, at the time. So, you know, it was a, a little bit of a uh, kind of an un, unbalanced score um, compared to the the match. But um, yeah, uh, it was it was good to see the new players on. Like, a, and um, Lopez was looking really good. And uh, so, yeah, I was quite ha- quite happy. Yeah. Well, I think it's uh, interesting you mentioned about the, the start in 11, Stuart, and I think there is value in maybe running through that because it gives you a sort of starting point to look at how it changes over the course of the season. Mm. Um, so for those who didn't know, uh, we started off with Takaoka and goals. Matsubara, Iwata, Hatanaka and Koike made up the back four with Kida and Watanabe in the sort of holding roles in midfield. Uh, we had Nakagawa, Marcos Jr and Mizunuma holding those three positions behind Leo Sierra, who was the, the, the striker. As you mentioned, Anderson Lopez came off the bench and made quite an impact. And Tony, uh, for yourself, um, Alan had previewed before the game saying he wasn't sure how much of an impact Anderson Lopez would make, but certainly for that first game, and to be honest, in the weeks since, which will come, it looks like he's doing pretty well. Yeah, definitely. Um, I was probably, you know, like Alan, a bit sceptical about how he did for us. Um, but in that game in particular, um, coming up against Cerezo's, you know, Stonewall defence, you know, we really needed something to try and get through. And he, you know, him with the ball at his feet, he made a difference. So that was um, really good to see, you know, especially first game up in the season. Um, it just, it felt like such a typical Citadel game in that we had most of the ball, we controlled the play, we made, we created good chances, but they were just, um, you know, their back four were just so solid and with the keeper as well. Um, we just couldn't really make a dent in them, and um, and they just seemed to uh, yeah score a bit against the run of the play really, and um, 
yeah, yeah, just it felt just very Marinos versus Serizor. Yeah, and as much of a disappointment it was to cop that goal late and, you know, Kiyotake from his head of all places. And um, uh, it just, yeah, 2 2. I'm not really surprised as much as um, I was disappointed. It, it was frustrating, and as you mentioned, I think Stuart had picked up in the pre-match pod that Cerezo are a wee bit of a bogey team, um, maybe is, is the language he used, and I think that's accurate. Certainly the ties we played against them last season, even though our league positions uh, finished up quite um, far apart, I, I would argue that those two ties were probably two of the more competitive fixtures uh, over the course of the season, and, and this one was, was much the same. Um, yeah, I've got to say, I'm really impressed with Anderson Lopez's impact in this game, but disappointing, as you mentioned, to lose that goal so so late on. And, and congratulations to Stuart. I did have it on my agenda to mention the the, the 2-2 prediction, so so well done uh, on that one. But we should probably move on, unless you have another point, Stuart. Anything else you'd like to, to, to yeah, pick up on? Yeah, one, one last point. Uh, real shame about Marcos missing the penalty. So that was a finger wag followed by a failure to press the unmute button. So that's the first one of the season for that. <laughs> uh, anything you'd like to pick up there, Stuart? Yes, that was a real shame that Marcos uh, missed the penalty. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> Indeed, yeah, I wasn't going to bring that up, but thanks for that. I'm sure he'll be thanking you for that as well. Uh, so just a few days later then, we welcomed our cross-city rivals, uh, Kawasaki Frontale, uh, to the Nissan Stadium. Um, I think it's fair to say that before this fixture, especially after the first game, um, there was maybe a bit of uncertainty about uh, how this game would, would play out. Um, but... I think it played out pretty well. Stuart, if I can start with you, can you give me your thoughts, please, and let us know the scoreline and how that game ended? Yes, well, this was a surprising match for me. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm really happy with, with the scoreline um, of 4-2 for, for, uh, for this match. Um, I, we went down in the, the 32nd minute from uh, a, um, a little chip from... Uh, Ianaga over over the keeper um, to put them up uh, 1-0 and then um, so we came we came back with um, Elba in the 57th minute followed by Nakagawa in the 58th minute Elba in the 64th minute and Nakagawa in the 78th minute so um, I thought that uh, it was really really good um, uh, so Elba's uh, 58th minute goal was like a from the result of a, a counter like crossing over to Nakagawa who who scored and then uh, in the 60 64th minute uh, the Elba had a low kick along the ground outside the box little deflection off the Kawasaki player and the keeper the keeper didn't uh, didn't see it um in the 77th minute uh, Nakagawa had a shoot from outside the box great one right into the the top right the, the top right corner. So I thought all the all the goals were were really um great and I thought it was uh good that we came back after after being down and and that in the past would have really been a a um kind of a a showstopper if we'd have been down um against Kawasaki. Um and last year they really didn't I think they only the only match that they uh didn't win after scoring first was our draw um at the end of the season so uh very good uh possession like uh, we we had a lot of the possession like almost almost all the possession well not almost a 50 50 54 possession and um yeah we everything looked good for for us so 
Well, so I would just say that's a great um, uh, start to the season against Kawasaki. Yeah. Yeah, I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. Um, yeah, I think you're underselling that. I think I was going a little bit there by explaining it as a shot from outside the box. Um, yeah. That was a world day uh, by all accounts, Stuart. And those who play FIFA will recognise that uh, that was an R1 circle. Uh, colour if you outside the box right into the far corner uh, it was an absolute belter and I would certainly encourage those who haven't watched it uh, obviously Neil if you're listening aside from yourself uh, to go and have a, a look at that goal if you haven't seen it because it's a, it's a belter and something that we spoke about at the start of the season was Nakagawa's form and yes. obviously he's contributed pretty substantially in this game with, with two goals uh, three for the season overall Tony um, can I get your thoughts on, on what you've seen in Nakagawa thus far uh, and, and this game as well yeah, yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Uh, we were all, all worried. Oh, yeah, cons- yeah, worried about where Nakagawa would be this season. Last year was pretty scratchy, although he did show some signs of of coming back, but then got injured right at the wrong moment. Um, yeah, he started off really well, and yeah, as you said, that was a worldie. Uh, he's um, looking. You know, it's probably maybe too early to call. He's looking in two thousand nineteen form, but. It's pretty close. Um, yeah, I think, um, you know, we came out of the blocks pretty pretty quickly against them. In the first 20-odd minutes, we were pretty well in control. And then um, the game kind of turned a bit and then Kawasaki had a, a period of, of dominance and that's when they got their, got their goal and we went behind. Um, but, look, overall, I thought, you know, this is probably one of our... St- stronger matches against them um, maybe not as strong as the uh as the second last game in 2019 but um we were pretty comfortable i didn't feel we were too troubled by them for despite that little period of dominance um but the thing with kawasaki is you can you can be playing well and they can just create a goal out of nothing and it'll just come that quickly um you know it it um yeah it always uh do yeah, get to my call. You, know, you took the words out of my mouth absolutely you took mm. you took the words out of my mouth you know we spoke to Neil just before this point and he mentioned the the FC Tokyo game where they took a battering and then you know Dimao uh, Damian uh, Leandro just pops a you know a, a header for a really weird angle into the back post and then you know even last week I caught the highlights of the game against Urawa at home Urawa take the lead and look as if they're going to win three or four. And they come back somehow and score two goals in just a few minutes and get the win. So, yeah, I, I, I think in hindsight that makes the result look a bit better. Um, not to comment not too much on other teams because this is a Yokohama F Minors podcast, but they do look as if they're starting a bit slower this year, um, despite the fact that they've won three games uh, out of four. I think it would be fair to see, and Neil did touch on that there maybe were some injury issues and, and uh, maybe a failure to pick up adequate. Um, you know, the replacements or reinforcements at central defence. But I just hope that the next couple of ties they're playing Gamba way and Hiroshima way. My hope would be that if they can drop a couple of points there, it would be it would be very much appreciated. But yes, uh, I'd agree with you. That's uh, that's been our best performance against them in a couple of years, and and, uh, and long hate continue. Hopefully, we get a repeat uh, when we when we visit Todoroki later this season. So if there's any further points, if there's no further points to make in relation to the Kawasaki game, uh, I'll add that to my top 10 all-time if Minos games list uh, comfortably um, yeah. comfortably on that list because it was a cracker. Uh, and we'll move on to a game that probably um, probably won't make it onto my top 10 <laughs> all-time Yokohama if Marinos game list. Uh, again, thanks to, to Kaz for previewing this one with you, Stuart. Um, 
tell me about your experience overall watching this game, if you don't mind. If you could tell us, did you attend? And if you did, uh, give us a bit of a match day rundown before you, you break the news as to what the score was. Well, yeah, this this match day... Um... It was it was a good day for apart from the match that was the thing. So um, up up on a train to uh, Kashiwa, so on the uh, Chiba side of uh, uh, Tokyo, well, actually in in Chiba, part of Chiba. So we had a quite a uh, a sprint from the station to get to the the ground at t- twelve o'clock, and um, there was a, a lining up system so we so we'd been allocated a line in the a number in the lottery um of a 106 so um but 106 could be you know number 500 in terms of people go, going in so there were masses of people just all lined up outside of the 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 car park in in uh, in uh, Kashua so we went we we went in and uh, got our place uh Kashua is, is a very small stadium and it's like rails uh standing only behind behind the the goal um so we tied a few scarves on there actually i got in a bit of trouble um because um we we put our flag which is uh one meter by one meter attached to the the rails outside the, the uh sorry on on the stand um so uh, when we came back to to watch the match, one of the security guys came over and he said, "You're not allowed to put banners on the uh, on the on the rails." So, so we we um, we actually uh, uh, attached it to our scarves and uh, hung it between us. <laughs> so it was it was really silly because the word the word the word for banners are those really long you know the long banners that that go around the uh, outside. So. It's a, it's just a flag that we were just had on there to, uh, to keep, uh, to keep our place. But uh, he seemed to di- didn't like it anyway. So, um, but we were right on the front row of the, of the match. So we we saw everything that was in front of us, but with the with the low angle, um, it was quite difficult to you know catch the the formations and uh, how the how the team played once once the ball got up the other end. And I haven't. Uh, uh, watched the full match again. I've watched the highlights, and uh, it was quite actually Bit painful. In, it was quite actually, yeah. It was more painful watching the highlights. I, I I felt much worse about the game after watching the highlights than I did from from being in the uh, in the stand because like, when when I was uh, watching watching there, like you know, Hat- Hatanaka's foul and uh, uh, sending off was right right in front of us, and uh, so. You know, we we um, could um, you know see everything there, and then and then you know kind of think you know once you got a red card, it's like wow, gosh, we're not really going to pull back. But we did last year in the match. We we did we got a red well, card. We're going to see. Yeah, it was a similar sure, situation. Yeah, we, yeah. we did indeed. Very yeah. similar, but and and this one was frustrating in the sense that obviously the game finished three mm. one uh, to to Kashiwa uh, race all despite if Marino's taking the lead through an Anderson Lopez goal in the fifth minute. Um, but, but for me, to your point about the highlights, I never fell out of this game until the third goal went in. I always, despite the fact we're down to 10 and then nine men, I always thought there was a chance potentially that we would maybe get yeah. back into it. So it, it must have felt like that at the game. Yeah, especially as we scored so early. I think it was five minutes, wasn't it, for Anderson Lopez to uh, to to score that one. And uh, yeah, so this was a cross and um, it was a bit of fum- fumbled catch by the keeper and Lopez just... 
walked straight through the keeper and rolled the ball into in, into the net. Like he's got such a huge presence, and seeing him close up, that the funny thing is, I, I was laughing at, at his shorts because he look he looks like a Japanese school kid who's outgrown his shorts, uh, and I think he must have the largest shorts on. And he's still bursting out, bursting out of the the, the shorts. They they look like they're cutting off the blood in his thighs. So um, he's he's a real a real yeah, presence. Yeah, no, but that shirt, uh, yeah. I get the feeling that might be a fashion choice. He does wear those sort of uh, uh, kind of magic <laughs> week, uh, shorts uh, as the best way I could describe them: a long distance runner shorts. Um, yeah. But you're right, yeah, uh, the man has big thighs. But maybe that's for the other podcast uh, <laughs> after nine pm uh, shirt uh, UK time. That is, um, Tony. Did you get a chance to see this game? And if so, did you did you see Hatanaka's two yellow cards? Uh, what's your thoughts on the game and also, you know, that, that red card? Uh, what do you think? Yeah, um, I did see the game. Um, uh, look, I always go in, into race hall games. They, for me, they're a, a bogey team as well for us. It's going back to, you know, when um, uh, Dom, uh, Leandro Domingo, Dominguez was a you know, one of their key players, they just always caused us problems. Didn't matter home or away. It was always a, a, a tough match and I, we didn't men, win many of them. Um, but this one, I, you know, I just don't think they, they didn't really trouble us much at all apart from the goals that we gave them. Um, Hatanaka, the first foul for his first yellow, I don't know, uh, look, six Six and one half does the other. Um, it was an aerial, aerial duel. Um, one player went down. A bit soft, maybe. Um, but regardless, um, his second foul was just really stupid. He just should not have. He should not have initiated any contact with a player, knowing he's already on a yellow and in that position on the field. He should, yeah. He should have just. Um, Stayed pace with the, with the attacker and tried to, you know, keep between him and the goal. Um, it, it was just stupid and it cha- you know, one big step towards changing the game. Um, yeah, Tony, I was just going to say it. Yeah, um, I thought the first one, I, I took a bit more of a sort of hard line approach to it. I actually, I did think it was pretty aggressive and it was probably a borderline yellow, but I did think it was yellow. And interestingly, uh, Stuart mentioned watching the highlights for this game. I only watched the highlights for this game. Um, I didn't catch the game, uh, you know, at the time. It was 6am kickoff UK, and I think it was working. Um, but when I saw the two of them back to back, I noticed how aggressive he was being uh, in general over the game. And I wonder, do you think that's potentially a, um, something that, that Kevin Muscat, a player notorious, um, for his um, for his aggression and his uh, physicality, you think that's something he's trying to instill in Hatanaka, to, to you know, as part of his development, or do you think it was just a couple of rash decisions? Uh, my gut feeling is it's not necessarily from the manager. I think it's more that the fact that there was no Thiago Martins, and he's now the leader. He's the leader of the defence, and he's trying to make a statement that you know I'm the big, big, strong man, leader of the defence, and I'm not going to. You know, I'm not going to get bullied. So um, he he was pretty aggressive in his challenges. I think maybe one to keep an eye on. I I think that um, he was told to mark Douglas to 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 stop Douglas at like not at any cost, but but you know Douglas was the man to stop, and that's true. Douglas really makes that side without without Douglas there. I think they they would be struggling, but I think they've got a good chance of. Uh, 
you know doing fairly well this year with 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 Douglas as long as he stays fit and because uh, he's really another you know, presence. He he just he always does us over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's just like whatever team Douglas is playing, it's just like oh no, there's there's Douglas. You know, like pass the ball to Douglas. That we know you know what the um, you know the the script is going to be there. Just pass the ball to Douglas and he he'll finish it off and uh, he does so. And and that was also for for their uh, like the was it their second goal was it um, um, uh, where D- Douglas put it in he he was the the killer thing but have have we mentioned yet I don't think we have mentioned like uh, Eduardo's contribution to this match <laughs> oh that was uh, like funny you mentioned that Stuart yeah. because we haven't even mentioned Eduardo yet we will cover that in the news yeah. and give your response but but yes please please do proceed Stuart so um, yeah Ed- Eduardo um, I think he had a just he had a bad match like he he he, he might even have been he might even have like uh, um, put himself off because the 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 first uh, goal, um, like this, the high ball came right in and uh, uh, um, Takaoka, you know, uh, got the ball, just tapped it to Eduardo, and he tried to play it to the 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 player on the sideline, but then directly gave it to the Kashua player just outside the box, and then. Um, that player just uh, passed straight through Takoka, through Hatanaka's legs, and then Eduardo made a dash to to get in between the uh, ball and the the goal. And I think it might even have gone in off his foot. And and I'm, I, I think that if he hadn't been there at all, the ball would have gone in. But it's a, it almost uh, you know probably actually should be counted as a own goal um, if it if he went off his foot but it was going in it was going in and anyway and then the the second goal was a was a shocker that was really like playing playing out from the back um takoka played it almost uh, uh level across to the corner where um eduardo was and then eduardo felt under pressure so he passed it back right into the the path almost of um the yeah the it was players. criminally under hit yeah and then and then uh, Takoka tried to boot it out. It hit the Kashua player, bounced off him, bounced off Takoka, and then Douglas popped it in. So, so it was just it was a like I wouldn't say a comedy goal, but it was one of those freak accident goals. Like actually, both of them were accidental uh, goals. Like, but um, they both had the same player in, involved, and uh, so you know, I'm sure he wasn't feeling uh, so so good about that. Sorry, I was just going to say, like, about seconds before that goal went in, I actually tweeted that even with 10 men, we're still playing right through them. We were passing, we were able to get the ball right through their whole mm. midfield into their defence and creators with a man down, maybe even better when we had men on the field. And then that happened, and, and uh, I think it was Ryan Steele, the Reds fan, just said, uh, tweeted back at me, well then. <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Famous of the commentator Tony. There's nothing, nothing worse than putting your thoughts out there, and and it, and it backfires. Um, just to bring a conversation back to to Douglas very briefly, Stuart. Um, first of all, I can tell you the first time you ever saw Douglas play, Stuart, um, and it was for 32 minutes in the final of the G2 playoff in uh, 2013 when you and I were were oh. sitting in the Olympic Stadium. Yeah. Uh, I've actually forgotten the name of the old Olympic Stadium just now, so feel free to. 
Uh, uh, if you recall, we had a dispute because I thought it was the Ajinomoto the night before when we were standing no, in the no, pub. No. Um, but it wasn't. It was. Feel free, Tony, if you can remember it either. Kokuritsu. Um, but yeah, Kokuritsu. Uh, Kog- Kogritsu? Yeah. Was it Kogritsu? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, indeed it was. Kyoto Sanga, zero. Uh, Tokushima Vortis, two. And we just happened to be in the Vortis end that day, Stuart. So that was the first time we saw Douglas. He was playing for Kyoto. And I remind you, though. Was he playing for No, Kyoto? he was playing for Tokushima. Came off the bench really? for him. He scored wow. 16 goals that season for them. Yeah, wow. that was uh, almost 10 years ago. So there's your obscure fact of the day. Wow. But if I could ask you about a trivia now um, to move on uh, for the Douglas podcast uh, that we're having <laughs> this morning or this evening. Thank um, you. Can you tell me, you mentioned he was a bogeyman, but can you tell me the last time he scored against Yokohama F. Marinos? Oh, gosh. That must have been uh, when he's playing for Kobe. Yeah. It was not. It was way before that. Tony? Misu. When he was playing for Shimizu. Indeed. Can you remember the game? Because you will remember the game. Uh. Oh, God. No, no, I can't remember it. No, you'll have to oh, remind me. Not, it was not, the 3 2 game. G- yeah. Not, not the game yeah, where we lost, it. Game. we lost it at the very end. Indeed. Yeah. yeah. So if you recall, that was the season we were sort of showing that patchy forum breaking into the summer under Ange. We were winning yeah. 5 0 and then drawing one each the next, uh, the next week. And then, if you recall, we got to June time and we were kind of still in it. Mm. And then that game happened against the Shimizu side, who I think were kind of fighting relegation. And uh, yeah, if, if you recall, that, that one really sticks in my memory because we were all collectively pretty gutted about that one in the group chat. So yeah, that was the last time he scored against us. But I can see why he'd be regarded as a bogeyman because he is an effective player. And he's one of those guys for me, like um, like Kobayashi, Kawasaki, and like Ianaga, where I'm just looking at him going, how old are you, mate? When are you going to retire and get out of my hair? Because um, I feel like you've been here for 10 years scoring goals yeah. or assisting against my team at least twice a season. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, that's. I guess that'll do us for the Douglas chat this week um, and I can move on to his former club uh, <laughs> to, to our next, the fourth and final fixture so far, which was a 2-0 victory at home to Vissel Kobe. Uh, Tony, if we could start with yourself on this occasion, can you give us, did you catch this match and can you give us a sort of overview of, of your thoughts? I did catch this match. Um, I've been, I mean, I'm lucky in that I'm in a time zone that's very close to Japan's and uh, we have a streaming service down here which have that picked up all of Ange's matches in Japan and they've continued it after he's left, so very lucky. Um, I Yeah, it was a strange one because we went into the, match with about four or five changes and a few players that we hadn't seen before um and so which was it was a big surprise i knew that we had a couple out injured but um there were more changes probably than what i expected and uh yeah it was a it was a tough game i mean we started off pretty well but uh, without skipping too far ahead there was a 25 30 minute section in the second half that you know we were under the pump really really under the pump so you know it was two nil seems you know it's a comfortable scoreline but it was the the second goal late and um we were you know there was a really good chance that we were going to cop an equalizer in the second half sometime and so it was a very good very good uh three points yeah totally agree tony and and for those uh maybe who haven't seen this game whilst you're on there checking the nakagawa world day uh, from the game against Frontali, I would definitely encourage you to have a look at the highlights for this game because it was a it was a bit of a stonker. Um, just for the neutral, it was a, it was a terrific game. It was two sides just really having a go at each other, and and that low score line certainly doesn't um, give the full picture. 
there was all sorts of chances. I think Ceres, I think Vesel hit the crossbar as well in the second half. And, and you're right, you know, we were really under under the cosh, um, but managed to to see it through. And and Takuma Nishimura uh, with, with with two goals. Uh, he's currently averaging a goal every forty nine minutes, which basically gives us a two 0 head start getting into every single game, Stuart. So, can I get your thoughts on how quickly we'll wrap up the title this season, and uh, <laughs> and your thoughts on this tie as well? Yeah, like I think the the comment was when when the um uh the the team uh, starting members come out the the first the first indication of the starting members is the uh, uh the the Japanese um uh, kind of side side from the um, from the club they 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 send they send out like a graphic so so you you have to have your your kanji reading skills um you know to to see who's who's playing you know, and then you know a, li- a little bit later you get the one on uh you know google or, or somewhere else you can see the Eng- english lineup so always the scan down in the kanji when i hit a player's name that i've never seen before in in kanji that it's like hold on who who is this do we have a player that that is uh this this name before so um the the one that actually that caught me out was uh, Yamane uh cuz he's eight, 18 and a half it was his first professional match and it's like Yamane do we, we oh yes we do we do have a um a, a Yamane and then okay there's Nishimura up there and oh Miechi's uh, up up on the thing it, it almost looked like the 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 players have been pulled out the hat and and I wondered whether it was a um a reaction against the uh, the the previous match but actually looking looking back uh, uh log- logically um Hatanaka was out because of uh, both injury and the red card um um Iwata was out because of the his his red card in the in the in the the Kashua match uh, Kida is actually injured he he's coming back Marcos Jr is injured so these are the the alternatives to to those players so it was fairly um uh, logical for for the you know the, the the team selection once once you once you had a look at it um i i thought that really unfortunately um like in the 13th minute uh, um there there was a a chance where uh, muto almost scored and um uh, Takoka saved it with it with his foot, and I thought Takoka was great in this match. Really, some some good sh- blocks and good saves there. But um, Muto tried a second uh, shot, and uh, he was blocked by Yamane. But uh, Yamane seemed to have like uh, crashed into him with a like his legs wrapped around him like a scissors, and um, and then you really saw like Muto just fell down and he was you could see he wasn't going to get up again and it's such a contrast to the players that roll around and they they you know they're holding their face and they're they're rolling along the turf this is a player who was really in pain and he just stopped there dead and like kind of put his hand up and and everybody said okay bring over and the the stretcher just came on pretty quickly and took him straight off and straight out out of the change room um i hope he isn't out for for too long but actually i think that was really helped us uh because he was out um but okay you know muto, muto comes off uh well osako comes on in his place Os- osako can also score goals so it's um you know not uh such a uh a, a difference no but um and Stuart, i've got yeah. to say that that was something that struck me in this game was you know the depth that that Kobe have got uh, currently they're sitting fifteenth in the league with two points after four games, yeah. uh, you know which doesn't for me doesn't speak to the quality they've got at all. And I had mentioned in the 
in the last podcast about the, the business that they've done over the transfer window, bringing in experienced uh, J League players and supplementing them with that little bit of uh, of kind of uh, craft and class. I'd, I'd hope you could explain uh, Iniesta. Uh, sorry, I guess that's sort of underdoing them a wee bit. Uh, but yeah, they, they've certainly got the players to, to mount a, a title challenge uh, this year. And, and I was really, really impressed with how we stood up to them, um, with how we kind of took them on. And, and you're right to say that, you know, we... We, we did rely on Takaoka a little bit there. Um, you know, there was there was moments that you kind of had the heart in your mouth, but I was kind of watching this as I was working um, the other day, and it was it was pretty um, <laughs> it, it was pretty distracting uh, as you can imagine. Yeah. Because I, I hope imagine. I hope no one from my employer listens to this podcast. Uh, I think we are sixteenth in the Hong Kong sports charts. Uh, Stuart worth mentioning, so hopefully nobody picks <laughs> up on that. Um, but yeah, it was pretty distracting because it was just so back and forth and, and, yeah. and an exciting game. Uh, one of the points that you mentioned that was about Hatanaka and squad rotation, and Tony, I guess I'll, I'll put this to you. Um, Saneto, Yuki Saneto put in a, a strong performance, I thought. Um, do you think he's, he's he's got a chance of hanging on to that jersey, or do you think Hatanaka will just come straight back into the side? Mm, yeah, Saneto is, I don't think he's really ever had a bad game from memory um but he's just always been a backup he's he's just always had that role of being the backup and you know um maybe he's comfortable with that um yeah he had a very very good game and he, he had to come in and basically lead there because eduardo had had that horror match a few days beforehand and he was alongside Saneto. um uh, he he was good. I think. Um, I think he'll be pushed to pushing it to uh, stay in the starting spot. But you never know. You never know. Um, if Eduardo has a couple more bad games, then you would think that there would need to be a change. I mean, I'm quite happy to give give a new player a chance. You know, give him a chance to come back from a bad performance. So um, I, I think. He had one bad pass that I noticed later in the game, which could have gone close to gifting Corby a goal. But he he generally was better in that match than the than the race hole match. So yeah, I think Hardenak will come straight back in. Yeah. So, with that, then kind of finishing off with somebody of the first four fixtures, I guess it's early, but there is a wee bit of uh, kind of something for us to chew on uh, and, and and discuss. So. Uh, if I can ask you, is there anything you've noticed in the first four games, perhaps about the formations or the players? Is there anything that that, that sticks out to you from the first four fixtures that, that wasn't there last season, perhaps? One one thing I noticed was um, like we're we're watching from the second floor, and my eyes are not so good. So, like I'm basing my kind of uh, view on just the players' movements and say, okay, that's this player and that's this player. But um, with with this match the, the against um, Kobe, you know, it was a, a totally different set of players um, than we'd seen before. And But I felt that they were playing in the formation. They, they, it was no different from from the, the top selection of, of, of players and actually a little bit better. And maybe they, they, they've got enough uh, coaching now from the pre-season and uh, all of the um, coaching that they've had that they are playing I wouldn't say instinctively but they're they're pretty well just playing the system and especially that's important when they're under pressure so for me that's one thing I noticed it's like gosh these these players it doesn't really matter who who is uh, um, in the team they're 
they're, they're doing quite well in that in that situation. And um, you know, the, I, I think Kobe and uh, Kawasaki the, these are matches that are out of sequence because they're uh, playing with the uh, ACL in in mind and freeing up uh, time late, later in in the year to to get a win out of both of those matches. Um, you know, a little bit disappointing that we lost the the last goal in the the Cerezo match. Um, a little bit disappointing that we had a crazy match in uh, of the year in uh, in in Kashua. But if we kept on the form that we have against Kawasaki and against uh, Kobe, I think it's better than the start of uh, 2019. I think. Yeah, I mean, I, it's 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 two wins, a draw, and a loss. Um, you could argue we were never really out. In the loss, you know, we were still in the tie, as we mentioned. Um, I think it's been a pretty positive start to the season so far. Um, for me, I'm, I'm really impressed by Anderson Lopez. I've been burned before by Brazilian strikers joining Japanese uh, football teams who have looked as if they're going to tear the league up um, for the next decade, only to then fizzle out after a couple of months. So we've, we've all been there. And I don't want to get my hopes up too much, um, but I am uh, quite happy with his contribution. I'm really impressed by his size, but also by his footwork. Technically, in, in the box, he's capable of taking the ball in really tight spaces and making space and getting a shot, uh, which is really impressive. So I'm looking forward to seeing how he develops. And I just wonder if we're a system fit for him. He's going to get a lot of uh, counter-attacking. He's going to get a lot of um, balls in tight spaces. He's going to, you know, I, I, I wonder if, if we're going to be a match for him. And, and perhaps that's something that, that, to keep an eye on going forward. Uh, but Tony, for yourself, anything over the first game, uh, first four games, any themes or players that you'd like to pick out? Um, just quickly on Anderson Lopez, um, I think it's probably important for us that we have a player like him in that we've got a bit of variation. Um, we've always had your, you know, your Myers and your Elbers put, you know, either putting in crosses or being able to get on the end of crosses. Um, you know, someone like Anderson Lopez can work. Um, well, when we need some variation, we need to get, you know, we've got a really hard defence to try and break down and we need to play it on the ground and, you know, draw in defenders and try and get by them in the box. So it just, I think that change up is really important. Um, so hopefully he'll um, keep putting in some good performances. Um, things that have stood out so far, I'm surprised about how there's been not much change or virtually actually no change over the off-season um, in the way we play. I expected there to be change. I expected to there to be a, a Kevin Mustard, Kevin Mustard, <laughs> Kevin Musket stamp on the team in some, in some way. Um, but I think no, we but just, we've just... Uh, call him Colonel Mustard from now on, Tony. I think you've just uh, <laughs> handed him his, his new nickname, Colonel Mustard's Army on the march to the jail title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we've yeah we've just carried on really, which is good. I think it's good because I'm I mean I'm happy with the way we play. Um, um, apart from that, there's probably been more variation in players than I expected, and that could either be partly due to the a few little injuries like Watanabe picking up an injury, Marcos picking up an injury, um, Kida picking up an injury, um, but also maybe with the schedule, maybe Kev's um, changing things up a bit because. Fairly packed schedule before we head off to the ACL, and perhaps he may, wants to give players a run before the ACL. So, um, yeah, they're, they're the main things. Um, I think uh, Yamane really showed some good quality 
in the Colby match. Um, his first touch, I remember his first, very first touch was a bit of a dud, but then after that, he had a flawless game. So exciting. And yeah, yeah, I think uh, with Teru coming back to form, then um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how we go before the ACL. Indeed. And uh, I think that's a good summary of, of the four fixtures so far uh, this season. Perhaps we could uh, move on briefly to cover some uh, two or three news items um, since we've last, or some of the big ticket items, I should say, since we, we last uh, recorded a flagship pod for the for the JTalk listeners. I think the biggest news item, I mean, I listened back to, to some of the pod the other day and it was only five weeks ago, um, but we're in a very different spot to where we're at at the minute, most notably because we still had Tiago Martins. Um, just a few days after we, we recorded last time, um, Tiago Martins, uh, for those who don't know, is probably a, a best central defender, one of the one of the best, I would argue, in the league. Um, Brazilian central defender who really has been leading the line at the back for us for the past two or three seasons, has played a big part in Hatanaka's development and uh, is capable of being left basically <laughs> alone at the back um, to, to deal with whatever Ange Ball uh, seems to produce uh, when, we're, when we're going forward. Um, he's left and he's joined our, I don't know how you'd refer to them, cousins uh, in some capacity at New York City FC who are part of that uh, wider city football group. Uh, this is pretty gutting, to tell you the truth. For me, uh, Stuart, if I could ask you first for your reaction to Thiago Martin's uh, departure. And uh, Tony, I'll come to you in a second to discuss not just his departure, but his, his replacement. Yeah, I think we were really shocked when uh, we had been so relieved that he'd signed his contract at the end of the season. And then, uh, just almost before the season started, that... Uh, uh, we found that uh, he was he was on the way out, and then a uh, quick deal had been done to bring Eduardo in to to replace him. Um, is definitely not a, not a one for one replacement. I think he's older and uh, he's uh, you know a different type of player. I think uh, Thiago is is I've never seen a player actually like like him. It's just his raw speed and uh, um, ability to to take the ball off. Uh, uh, players who who are running in a counter, so um, he he'll really be missed. But um, yeah, we have to work now. I think with with what we've got, and um, um, I think we haven't done so badly. But uh, yeah, definitely um, a very popular player, and he'll be missed. Yeah, definitely. Definitely will be missed, and as you mentioned, he was replaced almost in the same announcement uh, by Eduardo. Um, Stuart, you had mentioned previously that Sagan Tosu, potentially there was some financial uh, motivations behind that move and, and, and potentially that's what greased the wheels in relation to the move happening so quickly. Um, just to talk about that transfer fee, though, I think uh, I'm right in saying that it's one of the larger transfer fees uh, received by a J-League team for Thiago Martins from New York City. And uh, certainly I think it's the biggest we've ever received for a player at Yokohama F. Marinos. Is that correct? I I really don't know the I really don't know the figures, but but we were saying that you know it, it it's I don't want to say it's funny, but um, it's a very uh, interesting uh, to the first transfer we've had between the city group because it's effectively you know moving money between America and uh, and Japan um, for the sale of a player. But I I got the impression from uh, Scott's podcast um, that it wasn't actually. Uh, the, the club wasn't very happy that that he he left it so late 
for, for I mean, for you've got to say it was. I mean, we when we had a, a transfer roundup in the last pod, we were uh, yeah, we were talking about his involvement and talking about how key a player he was and to lose him such short notice. I've got to say, Eduardo has looked ropey on occasion, but having just uh, sat through seven months of the Celtic squad breaking into Ange ball, I'm very aware of of the difficulties players can face and just getting used to a new system and uh, a new way of working. And I suspect Eduardo's probably going through some of those teething difficulties and finding himself in, with new challenges and new positions on the pitch uh, and being asked to do things, as you very well know, that are, are you know probably really out with his comfort zone and anything he's done in the past. Tony, can I get your thoughts on, on of course, Thiago Martin's departure, but also how you think Eduardo's uh, been doing so far? Uh, it, was, it was a massive shock when I saw, saw something other. I think I saw something in the middle of the night, or was it very early in the morning? Yeah, big shock. Um, at that stage of the season, of the preseason, we actually thought that we had everyone that was gone was gone, and we were just expecting one or two new signings rather than anyone leaving, and then to you know find that most important defensive player and one of the most important players in the whole team was leaving. You know. And he was already on pre-season camp with us. That was, um, yeah, a big shock. Um, I mean, it's good that we did the business to get someone in um, so quickly. Um, I think, yeah, I think you're right. You know, Eduardo's got a bit of a learning curve and we can um, forgive him some um, some mistakes. Um, I think the bigger question mark is on Hatanaka because he was sketchy before when... Tiago was there when we had Tiago. Tiago basically covered him, you know, covered any mistakes that he might make. Um, and when Tiago was injured, we just we were pretty nervous at the back there. So um, I think the big question marks are on Hatanaka and if he can step up, uh, you know, at the back there. So um, yeah, 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 I'd agree with that, Tony. And I think you're right. I think uh, Tiago's pace, you know, yeah, kind of in some ways and certainly not to the same calibre but I always like to think of the two of them as, as the sort of Ferdinand Vidic type where you had one dynamic central defender who would uh, kind of mop up at the back and, and was uh, a bit better on the ball and the other defender was probably a little bit more uh, kind of inclined to, to go and attack the ball when it when it, when it it comes to, to, to the first uh, passage of play in defence so it's going to be interesting to see uh, how, he, how he progresses Eduardo into this team uh, and as you mentioned, it, it does put the spotlight on Hatanaka and, and two silly yellows to get yourself sent off in the third game of the season. It's probably not the best uh, way to kick off your new role as the leader of the defence. But one thing, uh, if I can segue nicely, uh, smoothly I should say, one thing that might aid Hatanaka's development would be a new training facility. Uh, and I know it's been a few years since, uh, and it's been a few years since we've had the pleasure of sitting in Maranos Town watching Shinsuke Nakamura ping free kicks into the top corner whilst our hair gets blown everywhere um, on that sort of uh, wind farm that it was. But Stuart, uh, I'm led to believe that your back garden is now hosting the new <laughs> Yokohama F-minus training pitch. Is that correct? And well, if, uh, if that is the case, will you be giving them oranges or sandwiches uh, after, after training? Well, I could open up the uh, ground floor, um, the, uh, the reception room on the ground floor. Um, so... Yeah, the background is that um, uh, a, a couple of years ago, I think there was the announcement that uh, um, Kurihama uh, had been chosen as the location for the new um, uh, training ground. And about five minutes walk from my house, there there was a, a kind of like a, 
a grungy, I wouldn't say dirty, but it was just like a a, a park that that had a, a lake in the middle, like a, a swamp more more than anything. Swamp. Mm. Yeah. Um, it, it was, you know, kind of surrounded by a little bit like the industrial area. It was like a not a nice park. But if you looked, you know, I, I took pictures and uh, on my Instagram, you know, when when the announcement came up um, of how it looked. And on a, on a nice day, you could, on a nice angle, you could see trees and stuff like that. But that was given over by, by the, the city to Marinos to redevelop as a training ground. Um, I'm not quite sure how that's actually going to um, split up because that was a public park. So so maybe there still will be some public facility in, in there. But Marinos... It's not going to end up being a... Sorry, Stu, it's not going to end up being a Morimoto Gakuen scenario where the, the government the causes a government scandal. <laughs> no, no, I think, I think it's more of a local government, but uh, I think it was agreed with the uh, previous uh, mayor. And um, uh, apparently my, my wife's father actually knew about it, but he couldn't say anything about it. Um, and and I, I've, met, I've met the guys who are involved on the, in the, the local uh, area, the kind of the, the who... who, who organized the whole the whole deal I, I met them um so i know those those guys but um so i've been going around since the announcement and checking like almost every week to see what's happening and then the park was closed and then they put uh the fences up around the park and then recently they've been putting up some drone pictures of how the progress is going because i was thinking of getting my selfie stick and put my phone over the the, the top of the the offence to see how it was going, but uh, apparently, you know, it, it it is actually proceeding, and you can see all the trees have been cut down, and the uh, the public toilets have been uh, smashed to pieces, and uh, everything, you know, getting the ground ready. But the club announced um, the other day, just out of the blue, that the new training ground in Kurihama will be partially opened from January twenty. Uh, 23 including the clubhouse and will be fully opened in May so what I think that will mean is that all training from next May will be happening there now I'm I'm not sure about the the, the clubhouse what what they will do whether they'll move some operations over over there wh- whether they they're going to move out of the the clubhouse in uh, Shin Yokohama where where they where they have the offices the company offices the Marinos offices so um, there are no sure. family members you could ask about that, Stuart. No, well, can, no I, other family members you could try and find in the, <laughs> the scoop. I, I can uh, I can ask around in the town. Yeah, I can uh, see see if I can uh, invite some of the uh, Ojisan out for a for a drink and uh, you know ply them with the nine uh, percent chuhai and uh, see if that will act as a truth serum in uh, in terms of this. But uh, yeah, it may it might be possible. It might be possible to to find out some more information. But uh, I shall uh, share that with our, privately. I think. <laughs> Indeed, yes, and it is, it's it's progress because, as I think, as as we all know, for the past few seasons, the team have been training on a grass park next to next to the Nissan Stadium. Um, you know, which, which every year at least twice seems to get flooded uh, in some way, and, and it's just compared to the sort of A grade training facility that was Marinos Town, it was such a substantial fall off. And and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to hear that there's been progress made. And Stuart, you know, obviously you've had your, you know, you've had your say in this. It's not just happening uh, in your hometown, but it's opening on your birthday as well, uh, which is breaking news uh, as well because it's opening uh, late May, which is uh, Stuart's birthday. Um, <laughs> one more, 
piece of news. Uh, if I can ask, <laughs> I don't know if Stuart's got other stuff they can tell us. Uh, it hasn't been made public yet, but we'll maybe do that on the pod after 9pm, uh, as we discussed. <laughs> uh, one more piece of news is in relation to a call-up uh, for a young player to the uh, national team, or the unders, I should say, for the national team. Uh, Tony, do you want to give us a quick update on that one? Uh, yes, I think it's um, Doru Fujita. Uh, he has been called up to the under-21 national team, I believe. Um, he's made a couple of his first appearances. He made his first appearance for us off the bench, maybe. Mm, I don't think it was the Sarazor match. Was it the Frontale match? Um, but in any case, he's been um, he's shown some good signs. Um, with Nokita in the in the Corby match, he actually, um, you know, Yamane was was um, was really good, but um, Fujita was Joel was um, he showed some real steel, which is what we miss when we don't have Kida in the team. So um, it's good that we've got a, a young player come in over the transfer window and um, get selected straight away into into the uh, national representative squad. So very good. Indeed, yep, he's just turned 20, Tony, and you're right, he, he made his, de- his debut, he started the game against uh, Vissel Kobe. Not an easy midfield, I'd argue, to, to play against, and he did get to play against uh, Iniesta for all of eight minutes before he was he was substituted, but uh, those experiences will stand him in good stead. Uh, yeah, he has just turned 20, so it is, you know, it's always promising to see young players coming through, and I know that he was at Tokyo Verde a few seasons ago uh, before being being picked up um, by, by F. Marinos after a, a good season with, with Takashima Bortis last year. Um, but, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how he progresses and develops. It's quite a packed midfield we have, but I would argue that there is space for a young player in there um, because some of the players are a little older, it's fair to say. So I would hope to see a, bit, a few more minutes in his life before, before the end of the season. And congratulations to him for getting that call-up to uh, to, to the to the Japanese squad. Uh, is there any further news, Jess, before we call this a day? Anything else you'd like to bring up or raise? I don't have anything. I think we're pretty well done. I would like to wish uh, one guaranteed listener uh, a happy 68th birthday, as my dad turns 68 tomorrow, and uh, he certainly tunes in every week, I'm led to believe, uh, probably so he can critique uh, my accent, amongst uh, other things. But yeah, happy <laughs> birthday, old man. And uh, yeah, uh, we press on to tomorrow's fixture, Stuart. Can I ask what your plans are for the game tomorrow? My my plans, uh, yeah. I I think it's two o'clock kickoff. Um, I believe. Um, so yeah, yeah. We we got our place on the uh, second floor. Um, that's our regular uh, location now, and we'll be meeting outside probably one or two hours before the match going in. Um, just before the match start, about thirty minutes before the match start, I tell you, it's, it's a lot more relaxed these these days because we've got the seats are all uh, decided in advance. We we're pretty much uh, you know neighbouring seats. Occasionally somebody sneaks in and grabs a seat in between the the, the two two or three of us and um, you know they w- wonders what they've let themselves in for because um, everybody around them all seems to know each other. Um, and uh, yeah, so we'll be having a few drinks outside and enjoying the sun, hopefully. Yeah. Stuart, I've got to say, um, sitting in the second stand of the Nissan Stadium is a is a massively questionable decision. And I would there's maybe an argument to be made that Tony and I are closer to the park than you will be tomorrow afternoon. 
Well, that's that's true. That's true. But we certainly see uh, have a good view of the match. Like you can actually watch the match as a game of football. Um, we we did we did uh, try uh, the very first the very first getting the seats in the in the previous place where we had behind the uh, the marathon gate. But the there's a big sheet of glass there, and if you're seated behind that sheet of glass, then you get all kinds of reflection. And I could see. Um, two balls uh, going in different directions at some point, so I thought it was better to to try a different location. So, um, the, oh, that's the, never the big, good to show, is it? The, the the biggest the biggest disadvantage though is that on the second floor, um, if you have to dash to the toilets, you have to dash up like uh, two or three flights of stairs, then. Uh, down two or three flights of stairs and then along to the toilets and then getting back up again you know i'm i'm watching the uh, the match on uh, on my phone while i'm dashing down the stairs <laughs> so the the, uh, the the time out is is quite uh, a lot it's quite long and the, it's quite a lot of exercise you know to to do that yeah, almost as bad as uh, hiroshima Devolve. stadium <laughs> It'll get your step count up, uh, if nothing else. Oh, yeah. um, gentlemen, I think that's all for us uh, this evening uh, or this morning, again, depending on where you are in the world. Um, thanks very much for joining me, uh, both of you, and thanks to everybody listening, uh, to our usual listeners, and as mentioned previously, to the J Talk podcast uh, listeners who are joining us, I think, monthly for our flagship show. Uh, we do update regularly, uh, weekly, uh, sometimes uh, bi-weekly, depending on how many fixtures we have. So if you would like to subscribe, then you can find us on all the major podcast providers. You can also find us on Twitter at Pride or at fmarinos underscore en news, which is an impartial English language news for anyone who wants to keep up to date. So thanks once again for listening, and uh, we'll see you soon.